Welcome to Humans of CX, a podcast powered by Ozontel. We share the latest insights and customer experience from industry experts to help you humanize your approach, placing empathy at the center of the customer experience. I'm your host, Karima. Thank you so much for making time for this conversation, April. Lovely to have you here on the Humans of CX podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and talking about my favorite subjects. So (laughs) thanks for having me. Lovely, lovely. April, let's understand your story. What was it that really inspired you to get into the space of CX? Because there is this unique element, unique why, unique inspiration that everyone has. What has been your why? Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing everyone's stories about how they got into this space too, because often it's not the start of their intention. I think a lot of us kind of fall in love with it through the journey. My personal journey, I started out actually in a completely different side of the business with event coordinating, particularly weddings. And so I was a wedding coordinator for 10 years. And while that wouldn't be your traditional customer experience space, it was, I mean, centered around contributing to creating this experience for this couple on a really important day. And I also... I was wedding coordinating, but also part of a startup business. So startup to scale up business. And those two things, I think serving the customer, creating a unique experience, really making sure their journey was authentic to them and what was important to them. That element as well as the startup to scale up has been really present throughout my entire career. And so after I stopped with wedding coordinating, I went on to the land of consumer product goods and fell in love with that. Serving the customer, having this incredible product that you can offer to them to make their experience better and combining those two. And so I went from coordinating to the product world And then really with the product world, I started out in sales, but I was much more interested, I found, whenever I was doing the sales, on what happens after the sale. What does that journey look like? And that was the part I loved getting them the products, but I really love seeing what happens afterwards. And are they going to come back to us? And are they going to hang out with us for a while? And the service that we provided the ways that we were able to interact with them really kind of made or made that or broke that in regards to them being a part of this journey for a while. So that was the tipping point for me. Everyone has the tipping point when I had the opportunity to go from sales over to customer experience. I jumped at it and I have not looked back. <laughs> and that is where I've been for the majority of the last, I guess, almost decade. So it's wow. been a fun journey so wow. far. That's amazing. That's amazing, April. And I would love to understand from you, how do you look at the modern customer today? In what ways would you say the customer has changed over the years? In what ways customer expectations have changed over the years? Maybe I'll start with how I've seen the customer hasn't changed and then go into a way that I think it evolves how we serve that customer. I think when it comes to customer experience, what customers are desiring, Porsche will see with the beautiful hotel company, he always explained the customers want three things. You know, they want the, a defect-free product, they want it on time, and they want kindness with it. I think those things haven't changed. What I think the fourth thing that he didn't mention 
And what I think is so important, and maybe I'm seeing more and more and more, is that opportunity for that magic moment. And that's what really makes or breaks. Okay, is it giving the customers what they want and then taking a step further with really enhancing, making an experience that they're going to remember? And I think that goes into maybe our the CX leaders in our space. We want to make sure we're giving them what they want and the expectations of being there whenever they need us and the channel that they need us and they prefer to visit with us on all those things. I think those expectations and how they can interact with us have definitely evolved. But also with the how are we taking advantage of the opportunity to create that really kind of keystone moment for them. I think that the expectation, not only from the customer, but also for us leaders in this industry has really evolved as well. That's a great point, actually. And since you talked about creating these memorable experiences, I would just like to understand what does repeat business look like to you? What does it mean for you? Because, you know, there could be several factors because of which the customer keeps coming back, right? So from the organizational perspective, what do you feel are some of the key indicators that make you really happy? Okay, this is why my customer is coming back and I'm super excited about this and I would do everything to maintain and build a rock solid relationship with this customer for a sustained period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the business that I'm in and the organization that I get to serve at, we make children's bikes. And so, and our first bike is small enough where they can start around 18 months and up to 12, 14 years old. So our goal is for them to hang out with us for a long time. And I think number one, it is that we provide a product that they can trust. And that is consistently showing up and that it's safe and that they can count on it. So that expectation that they don't ever have to question the safety of the product and really what the product is intended to do is to serve as this vehicle for these magic moments, right? Whether it be learning how to ride the bike for the first time or product that's going to get them to maybe they're a cool experience to build confidence, etc. So I think the biggest part of it is providing that product for them and they can trust us with it. When something goes maybe wrong or they have a question and that's, we know that's a trigger that they interact with us in a different way, not just purchasing the product, but that service element to it. I think that's the other part of it. And we internally talk about, did we make a customer for life? And that is so much of what we look for in regards to the service we provide. And I'm so proud of the team. I mean, that's what we see consistently from the CSAT scores and the comments of, I came for the product, I'm staying because of how you treated me in this interaction. And I'm a customer for life. And that is huge, especially whenever they usually have multiple kiddos, right? So when they say that and when we hear that, I mean, we know it's a really big deal that they're saying, hey, we're going to be with you for 12, 14, 16, 18 years. And we don't take that lightly at all. Right, right. And I think at this point, we can dive a bit into the people who are making it possible, the people behind all of these efforts and initiatives. And you are someone who is really passionate about employee experience. So 
help me understand how do you look at combining employee experience with customer experience and what does it look like in action within the organization? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I'll take a step back. It was when I first stepped into the CX space that I started to... I saw it. I saw the connection of our, if we set up our people for success, are we getting them the right tools? Are we providing them the right leadership? Right? Do we have recognition in the place? Do we have lessons learned in place? Those things that really are critical for those team members that are on the front line to be able to show up in the way they want to show up. And if you hire the people who are passionate about service, which we did, we had to make sure they were set up for success so they can do what they're really good at, which was providing this awesome experience. And I saw it when we didn't do that. And we fell short of that. And it not only showed up in those things like people leaving the organization or leaving those teams or also not having the best interaction with the customer because maybe they were frustrated and and they didn't know how to do conflict resolution because we hadn't taught it to them, right? So I saw the really good and I saw the really bad. And there was a direct connection. And so that was that first step of not only is it just, I want to make sure people are, are happy, go so beyond that. It's Literally, we saw that it hit one way or the other. And so that was my first step into, okay, hey, what if we, instead of this, hope is not a strategy, you have to have a plan, right? Instead of just hoping that their experience is good and hoping that correlates to a great customer experience. So what is our strategy behind it? And how are we building this into literally our strategic portfolios of initiatives and goals and targets? And that's what that looks like today with Womb, with now. They not only were a believer in this connection, but they also took the chance in a really unusual structure setup where all of the people, the internal people, so all of our EX, our employee experience, our HR, and all of our external people, it's all under one function. So the choice of acting up in silos isn't even there because ultimately we're one function and we're trying to really move in the same direction. So that's, I mean, that's what it looks like in action. It's building the structure behind it and then also extending it from not just how a great employee experience is impacting our CX team, but it's everyone. Mm -hmm. Because if we really truly believe that the customer is at the center and the people are at the center... Mm -hmm everyone is connected to it. And so it expands the focus, not just on the front lines, but every single person who's a part of Womb. Right, right. I think that's a beautiful point, April. And also there is this other angle to the story, right? Now, on both ends, we have two groups of people who are extremely important to the business, right? Your own people, and your customers. Now, when we want to keep them both in a very harmonious situation, there are also instances where there is bound to be a conflict. At times, at times we have angry customers on the other end of the line, right? At times we have a customer who is frustrated and maybe a bit exaggerates his frustration over social media, publicly calls out your frontline people or the brand, right? This happens. Mistakes are bound to happen and these kind of instances are not rare, I would say. I mean, it does happen. We all know that. So in such a situation where we are into an industry, into a space where there is this 
established notion that the customer is always right, the customer needs to be happy. How do you try to balance this with the considerations, concerns and the rights, most importantly, the rights of your own people? How do you try and balance this? Yeah, it's such a good question because I think that it's like that healthy tension. There's a reason why it's so hard when we think about what that balance looks like. And I'll say, I mean, first of all, in regards to how we have set up this structure, it's while we want balance, if it ever comes to that direct either or, it's going to be our internal team members. And what that looks like, and probably maybe a small example, but I think it's really big for us. There's been times where there's so many phone calls, there's so many emails, right? And it's you have the choice to either say, okay, push through it, team. We're not going to attend this. We're going to skip that break or we're going to to make sure we get one more phone call, one more email, et cetera. If it ever comes to that's having a negative impact to that team member, and maybe they need that walk around the room versus that one more phone call, it'll always be the walk around the room. Because what that does, while it might be that short-term potential negative impact to customer waiting, and we're going to have to figure that part out too. But right there in that moment... It is making sure our team members are set up for success so they can, again, go and do the job that they really want to do. And so it's focusing on, yes, short-term environment, but long-term impact. And so we'll always... That's our approach with it. And again, I think that's... I've learned the hard way on that because there's been times where we haven't done that and it never wins, ever. And so I think that's an example of it. And overall, I think on the bigger scale, it's truly recognizing how do we get ourselves in this situation to begin with? When you said that there's a customer who's upset on social media or something has happened where it put us in a situation where we felt like we had to choose, we don't just say, oh, well, we don't just say, well, it's always going to be the internal team member. It's an and. So we're going to take care of that team member. We're going to take care of the customer. It might be after the team member. And we're going to figure out why we got ourselves in this situation. And then we're going to build those lessons into our future strategies. And so we know better, we can do better. And that's the reason we have our voice to customer function so at the center of it and so critical to our organization. We don't let that feedback or that situation ever go to waste. And I think that's a big part of it. Right, right. Absolutely. And You rightly said, when we know better, we do better, right? So in this context, when we are talking about your frontline people, what is it that you would say people do? People on the outside of the industry do not understand about the mental health of these people on the frontline who are attending to these calls regularly, day in and day out, and dealing with the queries, the concerns, the questions, the frustrations. And a lot of it is there, which takes a toll on their mental health as well, right? So, and that's an integral, extremely critical part of the overall employee experience. So what would you say that you don't get it, but this is the truth. This is what they're going through. And we need to do a lot more than what we are doing now. Yeah, I think a couple of things around that. And I can remember I whenever I was answering the phones. And I still do. And so it's, it's, you so want, I I think I literally one time put a customer on FaceTime (laughs) because he was saying, y'all don't care that I've waited two hours to talk to you and you don't care. And 
yeah, right. You say you care about your customers, right? Yeah, right. Right. And in customer at the time, that's just how he felt. And I felt very much the need to show him we care. We are drowning here. And I literally, I think I put him on FaceTime and just showed him the hundreds of people all around me that were trying their best to show up for the customers, right? So I think in that moment, (laughs) it was, I felt very, the need to kind of defend and just show. And I look back that, and again, I think it goes back to that last thing I said, that customer, I think you have to address it separately. Because at that time, we don't know what that customer is going through either. And the company that we're at, again, we serve mainly parents that we're talking to. We have no idea what's happening on the other end. And they don't have any idea what's happening on our end. And so if we can model what we would like to see when we're in that interaction, I think that is probably the most beneficial thing we can do. right? And we use the tool LLAMA, right? Listen, acknowledge, make a statement, ask a question. And... If we can share that with the person that we're serving, and even if we are swamped or it's just crazy on our end, if we can focus in and listen to that customer and acknowledge them and make that statement, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to be here for you throughout the entire process. And then jump into asking them the question of how we can serve them that day. But we see in that moment, even if they came in with maybe no understanding, or they came in with frustration, they leave with that similar posture as well. For the most part, there will always be exceptions, but it allows them to say, okay, this person's creating that space for me. I'm going to create the space for them. And not only do you get to the resolution, but you also leave with better understanding. And I think that is one way that we can step into that situation because no one knows what's happening on the other end. Absolutely, absolutely. And I also feel, and we have seen that traditionally, the concept of CX and EX has not been looked at as two subjects which are closely interlinked with each other. And now we are seeing that happening a lot in the conversation around EX and CX. So why do you think this has become important? Of course, you have highlighted a lot of things where it becomes really critical that you cannot do without them. That is there and you cannot have happy customers without happy employees. Why do you think now this conversation is integral to the CX strategy of any organization? I would love to say I think it's because people finally just get it. but (laughs) I don't think it's that. I think even in the last decade or two that I've seen it, what I've seen a shift in is that I feel versus I know. And I mean by that is we have really increased the amount of connection we're able to provide with data and finance. And I think you need all of it because I think that I feel is so important, but if you don't have the data or the also the financial connection to back up that I feel, it limits the amount of number one, the audience that you can speak to and that it makes sense, right? And so when we talk about breaking down those silos, it's also recognizing what other people's focuses are. Our finance team is on focused on finance. I need them focused on finance. So how can I speak to them in regards to that connection and the impact it makes on our OPEX, right? So it's, I think we've gained a lot more of that at our fingertips as far as CX leaders, and we're learning also how to use it. And the data, I mean, the amount of data that we can have now with a connection 
even the last couple of years, that has been a huge increase. And we can say, because of this, this is the impact on this and speak numbers and and allows, you know, we like to say we're not a data-driven organization, but a data-informed. We're still using common sense. We're still using the I feels, but we're also allowing data to inform, really making sure that we're targeting the right areas. So I think those things have definitely a play in it of why you're seeing not only a concentration, but the buy-in of other functions of the organization. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you started diving deeper into combining CX and EX, what challenges would you say you had to overcome and you're proud to overcome now? Yeah, I think probably the challenge of what I just talked to, it's getting that buy-in. And when I started out in this journey, it was about learning how to speak those languages, to use the data, to use the financial acumen, right? to be able to really create that solid business case, if you will. And because it's not that they, I don't look at it as a bad thing that they weren't fully on board. It's I wasn't giving them enough information for them to come fully on board. And so I think those challenges when we talk about really setting up an organization for success in this model and ultimately having a positive impact on the people, you have to have that full buy-in. And I think that's been a huge challenge that by no means am I done with or any CX leader is done with, but we've come a long way. And so, and you see that now. And I think also, I mean, the organization I'm in now and currently with Womb, it also, there's very aligned senior leaders. I think that's a big piece of it too, right? And you're seeing that more and more and more of these founder started, founder led businesses that a big piece of their why was the people and you're allowing that to come to life in a scalable way. And I think they're really looking for that partnership and to be able to provide that, I think, is a big milestone as well. Right, right. And just in this context, April, I would like to understand how are you looking at the relationship or the communication between the top leadership and the employees? Because a lot of people feel that there are certain gaps. It still needs to be addressed, even though in theory, yes, we say that, okay, it's a very friendly company and it's a very friendly brand. People are very open to each other. We have a great culture. But where do you feel there are still some gaps, especially with respect to communication that comes down from top leadership to the employees? I would love to say that we're further than we are now. It's one of, I mean, last year in our engagement survey, it was one of the lowest rated areas. And that wasn't a big shock to us because I think we all were like, we haven't nailed this communication. And this is for our organization, again, startup to scale up. I mean, we added almost 30% of our workforce in just one year, right? So when you have that massive amount of growth and change and scale that communication waterfall, oh, it gets so much trickier. Yeah. And so what I will say, right, again, when you know better, you can do better. I mean, knowing that that was an area of weakness for us, it became one of our top strategic focuses. And that looks like building out an internal comm team so we can be intentional about what we're communicating, when we're communicating, how we're communicating it. Um, one of the things that our organization really was loud and clear about is they wanted more transparency. And of course, when we hear that, it'd be really easy just to say, let's just rip off all the, everyone has everything. But that also wouldn't serve them well because you can't just give information without 
giving the why behind it and what does this mean and being cautious about how much everyone can absorb on their different journeys. And so I think, I mean, so to answer your question, we aren't there yet, but it is a very big focus of ours and we know it's a critical one. And so we just keep trying. Even two days ago, we switched up the format of our all hands meeting, right? And so it's just testing it and say, okay, is it better this way versus this way? How was that received? Always having a little feedback link, like, was this better? Okay, good. That was better. Great. All right. We're going to do that from now on. And so it's just staying true to that and continuing to try things to make it that much better. Right. I think it's very simple. The moment the employee, your team member feels that, okay, I'm included in the conversation. I am a part of this. I have a vote on this. That is really, really important. And I think throughout this conversation so far, you have highlighted how critical it is and how critical it is to shape that, especially in context of uh, top leadership and the front level employees, because Again, there is this middle management in place and there are not many opportunities where the top leadership gets to directly communicate with the frontline people. So I think that is really important. And as you rightly said, April, we have come a long way, right? But what is it that you are not happy with in the space of CX? What is it that you would like to change? What is it that you feel, okay, this could be better if we added ABC to it? Yeah. I think in regards where I'm seeing there's that tipping point. I mean, I'm literally seeing it. I'm seeing in the conferences I'm going to and the panels that I'm speaking at, there is, I think this, it is so present in regards to the why is there and how we're serving our customers, how we're serving our people who are serving our customers and so on. The want and the why is there. But I still think we need to just get further on the how. And in also not being afraid to get a little disruptive in the space. And that's going to mean that I think, and I don't want to assume, maybe I'll just speak my journey. One of my superpowers is to serve. That is how I get my cup filled. That also the shadow side of it is I have a yes man problem sometimes, right? In regards to, I want to, okay, that happiness that the person I'm engaging with is, their happiness is really important to me. And so I have to be intentional, okay with being uncomfortable and just really leaning in and really maybe pushing against the grain a little bit. And I think for a lot of the leaders in this space, again, if we're in this for a reason, we, we really like being able to serve that person on the other end. And so even when that person's saying no, we have to be intentional with saying, yeah, and... And not settling for the, okay. So I think we still, we got a ways to go with that. And using the tools that we have in play now as our friend in that, I think is going to be helpful. Right, right. That's a great point, actually. And also with all these new cool technologies coming in, we're talking about AI, chat, GPT, cloud, this, that. What is it that you feel is not going to change in customer experience? What is it that is here to stay good times or bad? I mean, and I think you said it, all these new tools. And that is, I mean, all those things, we could look at that and not discredit them, not they're going to take over. I know there's always that. Is this going to turn into where it's all going to be automated? It's all good. 
No, look at it as a tool because at the end of the day, I think something that will always be foundational in this function is good old fashioned. I mean, that person to person interaction. There's always going to be that need for it. And the tools allow us to spend more time on the interaction and less time on maybe entering the names and email addresses in five different places, right? And so welcoming the tools still allow us to have more time on the things that I think our superpowers really shine at, which is serving that customer. Right, right. Also, April, 10 years in the industry so far, I truly celebrate that. And you are someone who could actually help any person who's looking for a career in this space. What is it that you would like them to know? What is it that you would like them to work hard on? And what is it that they should not believe in? Because there are certain misconceptions as well around the space of CX, just like any other industry. So a few key elements that you would like to highlight for anybody who's looking at a career in this space and is starting from a clean slate. I think number one is really looking at CX as customer experience, not just post-purchase service channel, right? Like that is a critical piece of it. But if we really take that step back and look at the full opportunity of what it is to have someone be able to represent customer experience, it's knowing the entire journey and really stepping into that. And I think one of the only ways that you can do that is not only those beautiful journey maps, which are so helpful, I'm a big fan, but it's literally going to get to know the rest of the business and asking that question that every single one, whether you're sitting down with a team member at the warehouse or you're sitting down with the someone who's in charge of the content, or you're sitting down in regards to the or AR and accounts receivable. It's understanding what they do, how they play a role, and asking them, how do you think you impact the customer experience or the customer? And hearing them. And that is the way not only you're going to learn, but they'll also serve you. Because again, that buy-in is important. With everything you're doing, you're able to go back to that person in the warehouse. Say, hey, how remember how you told me that this is how you impact a customer. I want to share something we're doing that I think it's really going to be important to you. And I'd like to get your feedback on it, right? Mm-hmm. So it allows you to build those relationships. And I think that is probably the number one thing I would share. Simply, it's had the biggest impact on me and allowing me to get out of my silo because to me, customer experience is the most important, but it has to be the organization's most important as well. And the only way you're going to do that is by understanding and learning from them as well. Right, right. That's really helpful, April. Also, networking, you see, is such an important aspect of CX. And all these amazing professionals just like you, I see this amazing community getting coming together on LinkedIn or any other social media channel. And it's just amazing how people are talking to each other despite not knowing them so well. But I think everyone is trying to break the ice and trying to highlight that, okay, this is what I am trying to build. Hey, what are you building? So it's just an amazing feeling, right? So I would like to understand from you, is there someone you would like to go out on a CX lunch date with and get to know that person better and understand their journey, how they did this, how they did that? If there's anyone you would like to mention? Oh, yeah. I mean... 
Well, I tell you, number one, I'm a huge fan of networking and getting out of your comfort zone for sure. And it's incredible. Like you said, this community, they're so generous about giving back their lessons learned and sharing what they what worked and what didn't work. And I've just continuously been blown away. And I ask a lot of questions. I'm a huge learner. And so the books and the podcasts and just reaching out or seeing something cool or me personally having a cool interactive or interaction with a company and then saying, hey, I love my experience. Can you tell me what platform are you using? What are you know? So don't hesitate on that. I think for me and I'll share, I would love. So I mentioned Horse Schultze with the Ritz Carlton. I'm such a big fan and I because I love how he connects business, business, and then the people behind it. And I remember sitting in my car, having a troubling situation at work. And I just like, what would horse do? What would he do? How would he tackle this? I literally Googled. I Googled and it came up with an email, but I think it was a contact form. And I just said, I would love 15 minutes of your time. Not dreaming that he would ever contact that, right? (laughs) The next day, I get an email back from his executive assistant saying, of course, we'd love to visit with you. He's traveling for the next month, but we have a spot next Tuesday. Do you want to hop on the phone with him? And then he ended up being so generous in almost an hour of his time. And so I'll share that with, I would love to extend that, right? And have even more because it was so beneficial um, to get just those little nuggets, wisdom of the lessons he's learned from all the building he's done. So I would love to extend that, but I also am grateful for just that time. And also just for anyone who said to pass on, don't be afraid to ask for it because it's remarkable what they might say yes to you. (laughs) That's super. That's super. I'm so happy for you that you got this opportunity. And I guess that's the power of this community, right? Ultimately, it's all about people helping people, people helping each other to get better, improve these experiences and come together as a community who's actually interested in serving customers better and help them look at better service levels of customer satisfaction and loyalty and all these amazing things that we're trying to do in the world of customer experience. So April, it's been lovely listening to you and learning from you. And I'm so happy that you could find some time for this conversation. It's been pending for a while, but I'm so glad that we were able to make it happen today. So thank you so much once again for joining me today. Ah, Thank you for having me and thank you for all the amazing work that y'all are doing in the CX space. It's felt and it's And it's noted. So thank you for pushing the limits as well. (laughs) Thanks a lot, April. And I would definitely ask my listeners to connect with April on LinkedIn. She's very active on LinkedIn. You would get to know what cool stuff she's doing. And don't hesitate in asking any questions you may have about CX and EX for sure. Bring it on. I'm here for both. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, April. Thank you for listening to Humans of CX, a podcast brought to you by Ozontel. If you enjoyed today's show, visit ozontel.com to learn more about how our robust omni-channel communications platform makes it the industry leader within the customer experience space. You can find Humans of CX on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms that are featuring podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.